Hello, and welcome to Embracing Abundance. I'm your host, Peyton Clark, and I truly believe that each one of us, especially you, holds the potential for abundant living. Together, we'll dive into physical health, nutrition, mental wellness, spiritual growth, and financial wisdom. I'm devoted to unpacking the knowledge behind these areas, giving you tangible takeaways for everyday life. Each episode draws you closer to understanding how to live a life full of abundance. So whether you're sipping on your morning coffee, on a long drive, or winding down for the day, let's journey towards unlocking your fullest potential. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Embracing Abundance. Today, I'm here with my husband, Jordan. Hello. Hello. And today's episode, we're going to talk all about financial health, financial freedom, planning, all of the things that you guys need to know in order to set your finances up for success. So let's jump into it. As we start off, could you tell us first a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got so interested in finance? Yeah, so hello, my name is Jordan. I am the husband of Peyton for uh, how long now? Six um, months? Six months, but we've been dating for five and a half, or five and a half years, six and a half? I don't know. I just lose time when I'm with you. Oh, yeah. Anyways. Um, so cute. So my name is Jordan. I'm 24, just recently turned 24, and um, I work in the, uh, I guess, financial industry right now. Um, but I've been interested in finance ever since I was a freshman in college. I was originally a meteorology major, but uh, <laughs> you guys ever had to take calculus, you would know that uh, that's not good. So Yeah, he failed that twice. I didn't need to throw that in there. You did not. <laughs> Anyways, because I didn't fail it twice. Oh, okay. Sorry. It was just you got once. an F in the first one and then a D in the second one. You, you so. can't say sorry and then just double down on it. So well. anyways, calculus is not fun. So I got interested in uh, personal finance, being a broke college student, studying something that I didn't want to study. And I learned all about the world of personal finance and how to get my money up mm -hmm. and be responsible. So yeah. I spent hours watching YouTube videos, reading articles, learning how to, I guess, get ahead when I was you know, struggling and broke. So Yeah. Um, well, and he really taught me a lot, too, because I was... I was paying my way through college um, and I had racked up a lot of student debt and he, when he got so interested in it, he was like, no, you gotta, you gotta pay this off as quick as possible. So he, he was the one who was informing me about how to do all that stuff and he helped me get out of debt and graduate. I mean, I was debt free six months out of college and I credit a lot of that to him, his knowledge. Otherwise I would have been screwed. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, after doing a lot of studying and researching personal finance stuff in my free time, I used that, I guess, passion, the newfound passion to um, change my major after my first year of college and transfer schools to save money um, because I was going out of state at the time. So I, I, I changed schools, transferred to go in state, save money, and change my major to something that I was more passionate about. So I ended up going to uh, East Carolina University in my junior and senior year, junior year online because of COVID, and uh, graduated um, with a business degree, concentration in finance. Um, so now I'm working in finance, mm -hmm. and I, I enjoy it. And uh, but I think my real passion is personal finance, trying to help people get ahead. 
Yes, he's really into all that stuff and the investments and mutual funds and how to retire early. So we'll be diving into that. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear that. Um, Because like I said, he's helped me through a lot of it. And I think that he can make things a little bit more simpler for you guys. So let's get into it. Could you briefly explain what financial planning is and why it's important for our listeners, many of whom are just starting to focus on their financial health? Financial planning is pretty much just creating a, a plan or a I guess, blueprint for how you're going to save your money or just just how you're going to use your money as a tool for your life and how to do things that you want. And I think there's a lot of people think money is the, the most important thing in life. But the fact is that there's many other things much more important than, in life than money, like family and loved ones and your, your career and your passions and what you like to do in your free time. It's way more important than money. So I like to use view it as money as a tool that you can use to help make your life what you want it to be. To build that life. So I think financial freedom. planning is pretty much, you have, you have to use it as a tool to help create the life that you want. Mm-hmm. I like that. Why would you say it's important for our listeners to have that plan instead of just going you know, through life, maybe not knowing? I think it's important to have a plan for your financial journey because I think the life that we all want to live is actually a lot more realistic than we think it is. and it's easy to foresee your future when you have a plan and you can see it taking place and, and see it see yourself making progress on something. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So for someone who wants to start to create that plan and take control of their finances, what would you say the most critical first steps are in financial planning? I think the very first step that you need to do is create a budget for yourself and figure out what you're spending and saving on a, on a consistent basis. Um, if you are getting paid weekly, I would create a budget, a weekly budget. If you're getting paid every other week, I would make a bi-weekly budget. You know, I think something that stays on your pay schedule is much more easier to follow and will help you budget in the future. Yeah, definitely. Budget, budgeting and saving and mapping out your spending is super important. What would you say some effective strategies are for doing that that our listeners can start implementing right away? Like I said, just... Just map it out, create an Excel spreadsheet, figure out how much you get paid every week or every pay period and what your expenses are for the month and then divide your expenses of the month by whatever your pay period is. So if you're getting paid every week and you're spending a bill every month, just divide that bill by four, there's four weeks in a month and then boom, you figure out what you're putting away each and every week, each and every pay period for that specific bill or that expense. And it just makes it easier to figure out what you need to do every pay period. So that way, every time you get paid, that dollar has somewhere to go. And it's not just sitting there waiting to be spent by you. You know, mm-hmm. How can you be sure that you stick to the plan on a weekly basis? Like for me, I struggle like checking Excel sheet, all my Excel sheet all the time. Like sometimes I'm over on groceries and I'm like, well, oh, well, like I need these are necessities. And so that messes up my entire budget. How can I be more on top of sticking to my budget and not allowing just like myself get out of that, um, the specifics. That I mean, sense. it comes down to being disciplined, just like any other thing in life. If there's something that you want that's hard to get, the only way you're going to get it is by being disciplined, right? Mm-hmm. So if you need to set an alarm or you need to make reminders or write notes, hey, check this, you know, do this, put this aside. It's, it's, it's hard getting to where you want to be because we live in a world of instant gratification. But if you're disciplined and taking the steps necessary, then you're going to achieve your, your goals a lot 
quicker than your peers will. Yeah. I love that. I think that was a good, good take on that being disciplined, Thank you. especially Thank in you. this instant gratification world. Yeah. Now, once someone has a handle on budgeting and they have their saving, they know like where, you know, everything goes, investment often comes as the next step. So what beginner friendly investment strategies would you recommend and how should one approach that? Right. So this is the fun part. Once yeah. you get your your savings in order and you've put aside your money for whatever the month or the week, this is the fun part. So you get to choose your 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 vehicles pretty much towards your goal. And I would recommend to everyone once you have figured out that you can invest this money, the next step would be to figure out what you're going to invest in. So I would choose index funds. What is an index fund? So an index fund is a collection of, of many, many stocks in one fund that you buy. So instead of trying to pick one stock that you think is gonna just go up, go to the moon, you know, that's very risky. You're playing a, it's, it's kind of like gambling. Picking one stock is gambling, but picking an index fund is like picking many stocks. So if, if one goes down, you can still be up on other stocks, which would make you, you know, gain money mm-hmm. in the end, you know, and this is a bad ex- explanation. No, I think that made sense. <clears throat> what would you say is the difference between a mutual fund and an index fund? Cause what you're explaining, I thought that was a mutual fund. I wouldn't get for these listeners. I wouldn't get into what a mutual fund is because a, an index fund can have a mutual fund and an ETF version. An index fund is an index, you know, a collection of stocks. A mutual fund can be a mutual fund is managed. A mutual fund is a manager, so I can make a mutual fund and I can be the manager of it. So I wouldn't go around buying. Oh, it's a mutual fund. It's it's got to be good. A mutual fund is managed, but these index funds can have mutual fund versions that are managed by professionals that have that don't really touch it. You know, they have really low cost fees and they're just optimal for investing in. So stick to index funds. Don't worry about if it's a mutual fund. Do we have index funds or do we have mutual funds? We have the mutual fund version of index funds. <laughs> so um, why do we have that instead of just index funds? Well, they are index funds. We own index funds. But so who manages our... Okay, the way to buy... Okay. We'll break it down. Yes. Please. The way to buy an index fund is two versions. You can either buy the mutual fund or the ETF version. What's right? it? An ETF? ETF is an exchange traded fund. Okay. So pretty much the, the difference between the two is how they're traded, right? Mm-hmm. So a mutual fund is traded after hours. So you can only buy the price. You can only buy the mutual fund at the price at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas an ETF is traded throughout trading hours. So you can buy that. So the, the price will fluctuate throughout the day and you could buy it at any moment throughout the trading day. So you can say that people try and time it, but if you're buying it on the daily, it's not gonna really matter. I just try and stick to mutual funds because in the past you could buy portions of mutual funds, whereas ETFs, you had to save whatever the amount of the, the sh- one share of the ETF was, you had to save that amount to be able to buy one share. Does that make sense? Um, you're getting there. <laughs> so yes, I think you broke it down well. So. I'll break it down. Mutual funds, you could buy fractionally. ETFs, you had to wait to be able to afford the entire thing. So if an ETF was $100, I had to wait. If I had $50, I couldn't buy half of a mutual oh, fund so share. Oh, like portions I, of... I couldn't buy half of an ETF like it could with a mutual sh- okay, fund share. Okay, that makes sense. You can yeah. put, so you can choose however much you, like however Correct. much you want to invest or how much you have, you, you, however much you have to invest, you can put that into a mutual fund versus with ETFs, you have to buy the whole stock, Correct. the whole now, share. Now, a lot of brokerages okay. are kind of updating that and they're kind of on the same playing level, but if, you know, I just kind of just stick to what I have. It, it doesn't, 
it does not matter whatsoever if you're buying a mutual fund version of something or an ETF version of something. It does not matter at all. Mm-hmm. The whole point is buying an index fund over a single stock because trying to pick a single stock to make you money in the long run is right. like Risky. trying to find not. a needle in a haystack. Mm-hmm. But if you're buying an index fund, it's like buying the whole haystack and you're going to find that winner either way. So like basically no matter what, you're even if the stock market is fluctuating day to day like in the long run if you're planning for your future that's the best bet because you're going to what is it what is the percentage i I know there's like a percentage that of gains um that you're pretty much guaranteed to make over time or something or am i just not right yeah usually the stock market pretty much has a or the s p 500 usually has a track record of of averaging about 10 percent a year okay that's what i thought it's yeah. around there right so you're pretty much guaranteed to make money in the long run correct and if you're picking a stock that stock can go bankrupt tomorrow you can be at zero you can lose all your money in one day but if you're picking the the stock market that you're betting pretty much on america and society you know it's mm-hmm. not gonna you're, you're gonna make money right it's just your investment horizon is has got to be long if you if you need money in a year or two or three, then there's no point investing in the stock market. You might as well just put it in savings. Yeah. So then talk to me about that then. Like how, why would somebody invest versus just saving money? Um, I, saving is, is much better for short-term horizons because investing comes with a risk. You know, if you have a shorter time horizon, you shouldn't be investing because in three years that could go down. We also... Mm-hmm. The, the stock market was all, at all-time highs before COVID happened, and it dropped 20% or something like that. You know, your investment can be gone. And, you know, finally we're past that, but it took a while to get back. Yeah. So if you need, I would say if you need money less than seven years, put in savings. If it can be, if you need money longer than that, then go ahead and invest it. You're going to come out in the long run. And so how would you break that down into like priorities when you're saving and you're budgeting and now you're adding in investments like you have a house you want to buy, you have a car you want to buy, but you also want to plan for retirement like and max out your Roth IRAs. How do you decide, maybe you personally decide what percentage of what money or how much should go into each? Is it based on priorities or what is it based on? A lot of what your the optimal personal finance, I guess, strategy is, is to follow this it's, it's you're pretty much following a flow chart and if i know i'm stealing this from the personal finance reddit but there's a flow chart on there that's pretty much the exact way that you want to manage your money right so you get say you have a w-2 job and you get paid by your employer hopefully you have a 401k if you have a 401k contribute to the to the match amount nothing more once you get past that invest in your your roth ira once you've maxed that out then you can start putting money towards those savings like a car and a house and stuff like that you can start doing that how do you know how much then, like you max out your Roth IRA, you have a match on your 401k. So those are basically specific amounts for each paycheck. But then you also have stuff that you're saving for, you're budgeting for, and you have extra money maybe to put towards other investments. How do you then budget that out or portion that out? You got to figure out your timeline for everything. If you have a, if you're saving for a car, but the car that you have is perfectly fine and it can last another five, 10 years, then I would put that on the back burner and maybe contribute, you know, 5% of your paycheck if, you know, every time you get paid towards that because it can wait. But if you, you know, like you have a growing family and you're running out of space and you need to save to move, then I would put that, that would be your priority. So I would specialize in that and I would maximize the savings in that aspect. It's, it's personal finance is personal, you know, not everyone can follow the exact same plan and pattern, you know, but 
there is a general guideline that you can follow mm -hmm. just because it you know can fit the the masses of people but if you have a certain situation that you need to prioritize something prioritize something in then by all means you need to take that into consideration right i like that are there any going back to investments and mutual fund stocks all that are there any specific funds that you yourself would recommend and why by any total market and total international market index fund and you'll do great if you're under the age of 40 don't touch any bonds you do not need bonds until you are much older because you're not going to make anything off of them it's pretty much a hedge mm -hmm. so i would focus on i would say anywhere from 70 to 85 percent domestic total market fund like the s p 500 or just the total stock market and then 30 to 15 percent international market you know so that way you're buying you're, you're buying the entire world's pretty much existence in society and you're, you're betting on the human race mm -hmm. and if you look in history then i think you would realize that you would come out on top every time yeah and how would somebody go about finding like maybe the specific fund that they want to get or does it not really matter that much as long as it has like a it's comprised of everything i would say you pick a brokerage where you want to invest your money the company then you can contribute your the money to whatever account it is whether it's a brokerage account or a individual retirement account and then you just look up whatever that company's is that they're equivalent of a total market fund and a total u.s stock market fund and those are your two investment vehicles and do you think that our listeners or anybody else really would need anything else other than those other than those two um, funds? Or do you feel like there's anything else that they should invest in? I know there's a lot nope. of like... Nope, don't touch a stock. Don't touch a single stock. If someone is saying, hey, Tesla, it's looking pretty good. Don't buy it. You don't need that. Stick to your index funds. Tesla's in that, in that index fund. So is 10,000 other companies that you don't know about that are going to do great in the next 10 years, you know? It's hard to pick a winner. You're, you're gambling when you're trying to pick single stocks. But if you're buying every single stock, there's going to be winners in there. And what would you say to someone who is worried about their age when it comes to investing and they think that they missed it, they missed out, that they're too old, that it's not worth investing? Obviously, the power of compound interest is better when you're younger, but a lot of people use their age now, or at least I feel like a lot of people use their age as kind of like an excuse to not really, like it's not going to do anything. What would you say to those people? You can't just imagine a good life for yourself and expect it to come out. You have to take some action. And if I think if you're older listening to a personal finance podcast, then maybe there's something that you can take out of it. Mm -hmm. Like they're here for a reason? Yeah. Like they need... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, awesome. Oh, lastly, I wanted to touch on it. I wasn't sure if I was going to bring it up, but what are your thoughts on crypto? I know that's kind of um, controversial. Well, the reason why we invest in the stock market is because it has a track record of 200 plus years of coming out on top over a 20 year period you know you, no one's ever lost money investing in the stock market for at least 20 years it's impossible crypto is brand new no one knows about it and it's a lot like trying to pick a single stock you're expecting that you're trying to hit a home run mm -hmm. you know 99 percent of the people are not going to hit a home run stay away from crypto and optimize investing in an index fund mm -hmm. good advice thank you 
So building on that, how important would you say it is to invest in yourself? Like maybe it's your education, it's your health or personal skills. And how can our listeners balance these investments with their other financial commitments, their budgeting, their saving, and also their investment accounts? I would say investing in your health and yourself is just as important as investing for your financial future. Because if you can have all the money in the world, but if you're on your deathbed, what's the point of it? You know, the reason why we invest is so we can live the life we live. But if you're not investing in your health then you're not going to be able to live the life you want to live. Health is wealth. Health is wealth, baby. (laughs) So investments aside, debt management is a huge concern for a lot of people, whether it's credit card debt, student loan debt. I mean, we could even go into mortgage, but what advice can you offer about managing and reducing debt in a way that's not overwhelming? I think before you even get into investing, getting out of debt is the main priority because the price of debt, the, the rate that these interest rates are right now is a lot higher than any return you're going to get on an investment. So prioritize, like just like I told you when you were putting off your loans, you're, you're, the rate that your student loans are at is a higher return than what you're going to return on your investments. So it's like you're you're making five dollars on your investments for every ten dollars that you're losing on your student loans so obviously you got to flip the script and then prioritize the higher interest and the higher rate so get out of debt first before you invest now would you say that's the same for a mortgage or is that a little different is that the only is there a such thing as good debt and bad debt a mortgage is very personal and i wouldn't advise anyone to either pay off their mortgage or invest because i can just say Hey, if your mortgage is less than the percentage that you're making on your investments, then keep investing and pay off the least amount of your mortgage as possible. You know, that's the math way to do it, but you can't tell someone, hey, stop paying off your house because the price of a paid off house is priceless to some people and the peace of mind that comes with that. So I would say don't tell someone how to pay off their mortgage per se. You know, there is a mathematical advantage of paying it off based on what your rates are but odds are if you're a homeowner and you can invest and you can pay off more than you need to on your mortgage then you it doesn't really matter and you're pretty much but so it really just comes down to like student loans uh any car payments yeah credit cards of course yeah those 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 high interest things that like personal loans car loans student loans those are the those are the, the three main things that you need to worry about because of the interest rates on those and are there any strategies as far as how to go about like let's say you have all four of those and it's super overwhelming you're fifty thousand dollars in debt and you don't know where to start how would you is there something that you would put pick first like how would you go about doing that to make it less overwhelming yeah so there's two strategies when it comes to paying off debt if you have multiple things and i know that you know these the, the debt snowball and avalanche i haven't memorize which one's which but i know that the the two strategies are those and you can either pick the one with the highest balance and pay that one off you know pay off the the minimum balance on each one and then prioritize the one with the highest balance or you can rank it by which one has the highest interest rate and prioritize paying off that one first so either way of those i would recommend uh, a good place to start if you don't know which one to tackle first that helped me out. I had multiple student loans and I think I picked the one with the highest balance. And even if you're only putting like a hundred dollars, it doesn't seem like you're making a difference. But then when you do that, 
Like, Actually, I think I advise you to, to take care of the one with the highest interest probably. rate. Probably. I think that's, but at the time I didn't, I think I had like 0% with the federal and COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really matter. So I chose the one with the highest balance. But like I was saying, like, even if you just put a hundred dollars in, it doesn't seem like you're making the biggest difference, but as you do it, like on a weekly or monthly basis, then you'll look in a couple months, you know, the time's going to pass either way. So you'll look in a couple months, you're like, oh, wow. I can't believe I made it down $2,000 already. I mean, that's what I did. It it also like motivates you to keep paying it off. And then you get into this mindset like, oh, I got to keep going. You have that momentum. And I think that helps a lot. So the the snowball and the avalanche, whichever one it is, it's Improving your personal finances and like seeing yourself get into a better position than you were it's 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 nice it's It's empowering it's addicting it is you know it makes you want to fix everything else or find other things to save money on or cut out you know so-and-so subscriptions and put more money towards improving your your picture yeah same thing with investing when you see even if you're not reaping the benefits right away if it's more of a long-term strategy you see that oh wow i'm up five grand on my investments like today like that's that's fine it makes you want to be up more my net worth doubled in the past (laughs) you know six months yeah it's fun it it makes it more rewarding more fulfilling and more exciting to keep going so i know we've already talked about this a little bit um but if we're looking at the bigger picture such as like retirement and that's really what our main focus is maybe it's retiring early or it's just retiring with x amount of money when should somebody start this and what are the the key things to consider when they're going about creating this plan for their retirement i would say you need to start investing for your retirement as soon as possible as soon as as you start to enter the workforce pretty much you know no one ever wished that they retired later because if they did they could just go back to work or do something else you know you might as well build that nest egg and if you realize hey i love my job i don't want to retire then boom you can improve your life other ways or you can keep investing and then start giving you know it's it's no one ever wished they had less money so there's a bunch of retirement accounts out there stuff to help you put money aside what would you say the best retirement accounts are and why yeah so there's many retirement accounts but you kind of have to there's certain tiers or certain there's a certain order that you want to invest in them in so i would say if you are a w-2 employee i would say get to that 401k match first because it's free money you're doubling your money for free basically then once you're there, you want to invest in an individual retirement account. So if you expect you're, if you're at the early stage of your career, you want to invest in a Roth IRA because you're paying taxes on it now at a lower tax rate than you will be in the future when you're a higher income employee. So then you want to prioritize that. But if you're making good money now, then just go with traditional IRA, individual retirement account. Then from there, you can invest in what's called an HSA, health savings account for your, your medical expenses for your health insurance. Um, and pretty much what all these things have in common is their tax advantage. So if you're in a 401k, then you, whatever contributions that you make towards that are, are tax deductible from your income. So you pay taxes on the difference of the two, whatever you make, whatever you contribute. Um, and then Roth IRA, you're paying taxes on it now. So when you withdraw, you're not paying taxes on anything that's earned in there. And then a health savings account is fun because it's triple tax advantage. It's tax deductible, whatever you put in. You don't pay any taxes on the investments that you make inside of that. And then when you withdraw the money, you don't pay any taxes either. So that's three ways that an HSA can help you 
use that money in the future. And I know a lot of people have this mindset of why would I invest if I can't use it till I'm 65, but there's lots of loopholes and tax codes that you can use to, to take these, to take money out of these accounts for your future. So if you're saving for a house and all your money's in retirement accounts, you may be thinking, how the heck am I going to buy a house? If I don't have any money, I'm going to have to pay a, a penalty or fee on an early withdrawal from one of these accounts. But if you have like a Roth IRA, all the contributions that you put towards a Roth IRA, you can actually take out without a penalty because that's all principle. That's all stuff that you have already paid taxes on before you put it in there. So you can take that out without a penalty. And there's other different loopholes and, pen and you know penalty-free with withdrawals that you can make to help your future out. But that's all retirement planning and figuring out stuff down the road that you don't have to worry about now. What if I want to live a better lifestyle that I'm living in my 20s in my 30s and I I know you kind of just said there's loopholes but like what if I want to you know in I know you're supposed to live below your means but what if I want to upgrade my lifestyle in the next decade but I'm putting all my money into my Roth IRA and I can't. Do you want to upgrade your lifestyle now or do you want to work to your to your 80? I want to work till I'm 80. Well, Sounds then like keep fun. going. Keep upgrading your lifestyle. Though. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but I want both. So how is there a way to do both or do I just have to just increase my income? Well, then I think that ties into investing in your health, right? Your mental health, your social health. It's also important. So if I'm not telling you to live a, a life of just eating ramen noodles and sleeping on the floor every night with no AC, no heat and just suffering. So to invest every dollar, I'm saying to be comfortable with your life and be healthy mentally, physically, spiritually with your family. I'm like a rapper now. I you know, just want to be. Say, you're like rhyming. Yeah, rhyming all the time. And then uh, I would say, you know, that goes in your health. So, so it really all comes down to like planning out what exactly you want out of life, what makes you happy, what you want to spend your money on, what is important to you for personal growth, right. your health. And if if going out to eat every Friday night with your partner is something that improves your relationship and improves your mood and your health that's more important than the money then the hundred dollars <laughs> that you're investing is much more important to be put towards that that yeah. dinner and the same thing goes for your health if you're hiring a fitness coach or if you're buying or spending money on a membership that's expensive but the community's better and all of this stuff or if you're hiring a business mentor all of that can help you grow as an individual and help improve your quality of life which in the like he was saying earlier when you're on your deathbed i don't think you're going to regret having a better quality of life and and stronger relationships and more life experiences so i think having that balance is super important and you just have to know what that balance is for you and that kind of comes down to like when you're starting to create your financial plan defining those things early and figuring out what you want out of your life and what's important to you so that you can allocate those finances properly correct yeah all while using all the tips that my husband Jordan has given us in this episode, which are, which is really great. All the tips are really great. So my last few questions, what are some common financial pitfalls or mistakes that people should be aware of? One of a very common one is people putting money into brokerage accounts or 401ks or IRAs and actually not investing the money. So they'll see the button on there that says contribute, they'll contribute, but they don't actually pick an index fund or something to invest in they'll just leave the money in there and they'll come back in five years to look at the balance and it's they haven't made any money off of what they put in so make sure you know what you're doing as far as contributing and actually making sure that you have picked investments and are buying them 
Are there any resources that you would recommend as far as if somebody wanted to learn a little bit more about that or expand their knowledge? Do you recommend anything? There's lots of good YouTubers out there. I learned a lot of personal finance stuff off of YouTube. And then also I would say, don't come at me, but Reddit is a very, very good resource. It's not just for nerds. You can go on Reddit, go to the personal finance or FIRE, which stands for financial or financially independent, retire early, um, and learn a lot of stuff on there. There's lots of helpful resources on there, like spreadsheets and guidelines and flow charts that will help you learn and become financially literate. I like that. Would you say that it's pretty digestible for people who are just like beginners who are just getting into it? Or do you think that's a little yeah, bit Yeah, of course. Advanced? There's lots of like sidebars that say start here. You know, if you don't know where to go, there's lots of ways to learn. If good you want to wanna learn, you can learn. That's good to know. I like that they make it beginner friendly. If our listeners could only get one thing from this episode, what would you say is the biggest takeaway? Keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> keep it simple just spend less than what you make and invest the difference that's it what if oh i I have another question for you what if somebody doesn't make a lot like they live paycheck to paycheck and they don't really have the means or they claim that they don't have the means to invest or any any leftover has to go to saving we didn't even touch on an emergency fund why are they living paycheck to paycheck are they living above their means are they not making enough money? Are they spending? There's Everyone's situation is different, so figure it out. If your rent's $2,000 and you're living by yourself, then move. You know, If your credit card bill is $1,000 every time that you pay it off, then you have a spending problem. If you're making $12 an hour, then it's an earning problem. I can't tell you the reason for your situation. You have to assess it yourself and figure out where you need to pick up on yeah i i we were just about to close it but i wanted to talk about an emergency fund how important is that to have before investing i think emergency funds are very important before investing because you don't want to ever have to touch that investment until it's time to convert it to something that produces income or something that you need to you know when you when it's time to retire so creating an emergency fund for yourself when say you need new tires or an accident happens and say you go to the hospital or say you need a new roof or the house floods or something some crazy situation that happens to everyone you don't want to have to touch your investments and you don't want to have to put it on your credit card that you're going to have to pay debt on or pay interest on so you want to be able to have that set aside for a rainy day If you could recommend five steps for our listeners to take to really get started and to really summarize this entire episode, what would those five steps be? Create a budget, pay off debt, fund your emergency fund, invest, invest in yourself, and enjoy life. Easy as that. Any last words? Keep it simple. Keep it simple. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it simple. Spend less than what you earn and invest the difference. That I like easy. That. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed our episode on this podcast. Um, thank you to my beautiful wife and host, Peyton Clark. That's me. This is the Clarks signing yes. out. 
Thank you for joining me today on Embracing Abundance. It's been a joy sharing this space and journey with you. And if today's episode resonated with you, I'd be so grateful if you could take a moment to leave a review, share it on social media, or with someone you think would benefit from it. For more insights, daily inspiration, and just more about my life, connect with me over on Instagram at Trainer Payton. Stay inspired, stay abundant, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.